Hi there, and welcome to Dork Wars the Podcast, your galactic hub for all things Star Wars. Thanks for joining us for this very special episode. This is our one year anniversary. So happy one year anniversary, guys. Happy anniversary! Oh, yeah. Are you going to take me somewhere special? Maybe, but we got to introduce you guys first. First, it is the funny one, Wesley. It's been a year. If you don't know who I am by now, what's up, dorks? And the commentator, Andrew. Me and Piscastupapudu. Hoodies, the language of love. And our own Jedi Archive, Dietrich. Yep, it's me. I've been here doing stuff and things for a year. So, guys, uh, it being our one-year anniversary, uh, yearly reviews are coming up, and I really hope we all get a raise. I sure would like that extra cent. <laughs> I'm hoping my pay gets doubled. <laughs> if we multiply what we're making right now by two, we would still be making absolutely nothing. So Why not uh, just go ahead and multiply yeah. it by a million? Go big. You know, dream yeah, these wages on the big. Death Star are garbage. It being our one year anniversary, I would like to ask you guys what's your favorite part of being a part of the podcast or the podcast in general is. Uh, we'll we'll just go in the order that I introduce you, Wesley. What what was what has been your favorite part of recording Dork Wars podcast? What a year, right? Like if you think about where we started a year ago, playing Rocket League. Just talking about the idea of recording a podcast. And here we are now. We have grown so much from just the technical aspect to how do we record a podcast, the equipment we needed. Uh, so we have shown a lot of growth. And going from the first episode up until now, we have evolved a lot. So I'm very proud of where, where we come, come from. And I would say that growth goes all the way up until about 10 minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> Starting fresh. New year, baby. New, new year, new me. Um, one thing in particular, though, that I, I liked was I edited one episode in particular that was um, uh, Mo Mucci, More Problems. Uh, I did the editing for that episode <laughs> for the first time, and I, I liked that episode. It was, you know, it, it was a lot of fun, a lot of little funny one-liners in there, and so it was actually one of our more um, popular episodes as well this year. It, it, it got a lot of uh, traction. A lot of people liked that episode. Yeah, I think so too. And it, I learned a lot from doing it, and I enjoyed, I enjoyed editing. So I need to do it again sometime. Man, Wesley, that, that really touches the heart, man. I, I, now I'm going to feel really bad about mine. Mine sucks. Uh, you know what, man? I love, <laughs> compared to that. I love growing with you, Blake. It's about the friends you talk to on the way. <laughs> That's right. A loose, a loose, uh, a loose quote from a Star Wars movie. There. So, uh, Andrew, what has been your favorite part about Dork Wars the podcast? Uh, I don't know. I think Wes said it best. Uh, can't really say too much more than that. But honestly, I think probably the best memory that I could have of Dork Wars the podcast is that every time that we get to the word of the day. We have to pause for about 10 minutes and figure out what we're going to say. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, it seems so seamless on the episode. Like, it's just like we flow right into the word of the day. That is definitely not how it works. Master Yoda really has to think hard sometimes, and he asks us very strange questions. <laughs> There's so much that goes on behind the scenes. <laughs> yeah, you guys would not believe the crazy stuff that goes on. When you when you when we edit it out, 
of the episode. <laughs> we say some rather strange things, actually. Um, let's not dwell on that, but uh, Dietrich, what has been your favorite part of Dork Wars the podcast so far? Um, my favorite part of this podcast, and which brings it up uh, far above any other podcast that I listen to, which is not that many, is the fact that every time we talk about a obscure planet or something Blake doesn't know, he will mispronounce the thing the entire episode, even usually after correction. And I really appreciate that. I love hearing the, the ways he says certain space words. I get a little giggle. Yeah. And there's, there's usually one every other episode. So, you know, it keeps me going. Keeps I wish we had a compilation of, of all the words he's mispronounced. I'm going to have to go through. <laughs> yeah, you got, we'll have to comb through the episodes and find them, man. And it's funny because it's like a lot of times it's something that's either not said a whole bunch or just something I, I just freaking can't remember how they pronounce it. And I just say it how, how I think it sounds when I read it. <laughs> Phonetics, bro. I think it doesn't always make what, sense. Man, it's 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 pretty much a running joke at this point that I just mispronounce a whole lot of things. At this point, I don't even want to correct that's you. I just want to like keep hearing it, however you say it. And that's in my in my head in my canon. That's that's how it is. So my favorite part of this whole Dork Wars of podcast experience, um, one is just being able to hang out. With uh, with my bros talking about Star Wars, um, even when we're not on the podcast, we're constantly in contact. I know we talk almost every day. We play games a lot throughout the week together. Like you, you guys are my best friends. Like it's it's awesome. This is a, this has been a great experience, and I think that this whole podcast thing has really brought us closer together. I'm blushing, and um, <laughs> you should Blood be. Is flowing. You should be. You beautiful man, you. Um. And another thing, another thing that I really liked um, was when we introduced Master Yoda back on our May the 4th episode. Um, you know, sometimes you're just missing something and you don't know you're missing it and then it's there. And uh, that's, that's what Master Yoda did for us. He did the same for me. I have to agree with you. I would have to abstain from any discussions. <laughs> Further, furthermore, so are you saying that Yoda didn't touch you as well? I'm, I'm saying you can't prove Wait anything a in a court of law. <laughs> we just recently found out that Diedrich is he doesn't love Master Yoda the way the rest of us do. But enough about that. Let's get into our Star Wars news now. Hear this? Now hear this? Now hear this? Now you hear this? Whoever you. Are. So I don't have a ton of news this evening, which is good because we did some of the one, one year anniversary stuff. But Dark Horse Comics used to put out a bunch of Star Wars comics back in the 90s. Marvel originally started putting out um, Star Wars comics in the 1970s, late 70s after Star Wars premiered. And Dark Horse actually got the rights from Marvel in 1991, put out some great series such as Dark Empire and Knights of the Old Republic, some great comic series. Dark Horse really put Star Wars on the map, I think, in the comic arena back in the 90s. Recent news, Dark Horse Comics is actually getting rights to make Star Wars comics again. Woo! Cool. <laughs> right? That's, that's pretty cool, Some of right? my favorite comics that deal with Star Wars were made by them. This is such a great move. 
No, seriously, I do have some comics that are made by them. They have some like <laughs> anthology series that I picked up a long time ago when I first started reading Star Wars comics. And then now I have a whole bunch of Marvel stuff because they've been making them for the last, what, 10 years? Mm-hmm. Um, five, five or six. They they got the rights back in 2015. It but seems Dark- like so much longer. I guess because they're, they're pumping out way more than they used to. Right. Mar- Marvel's just, just killing them. Um, but Dark Horse Comics put out a lot of great series, a lot of iconic series uh, for, for Star Wars. And it's I, I think it's a great move. Marvel's still going to put out Star Wars comics, I believe. I believe that's what I read. But is Dave Filoni involved um, at all? Good question. Nah, probably not. Okay, you know um, what? I'm sure Quick aside. I'm sure he's going to... Quick aside. Go ahead, Dietrich. Quick aside. The all floor. right, so I've watched some of the other lego e types of materials on Disney+, and a lot of them retell canon comic series with like a, you know, in like a jokingly way. A really? joking style. Anyway, just thought it was kind of cool to see that. That that is pretty cool to see, and it and it means that Disney isn't just doing away with all the old canon. It means that they're taking in consideration the Dark Horse comic stuff, the the old EU stuff. I mean, we see it throughout all of the new Disney stuff. They're they're cherry picking the things that they want from the old canon and bringing it into the new. So it's it's great to see this. It's a good move for Disney. Good move for Marvel Comics. Good move for Dark Horse Comics. I, I can't wait to see what else happens, what kind of comics we're going to get out of this merger. So um, I think that's pretty much it for our, our news this week, probably because um, Book of Boba Fett has pretty much dominated the news this week. Book of Boba Fett has premiered this past week, as everyone who listens to this podcast probably already knows, because, you know, being a Star Wars fan, Book of Boba Fett has been a big deal since it was announced. Um, I believe it was last December at the end of Mandalorian Season 2. It's kind of a big deal. It's, it's a really big that deal. That was roughly a Star Wars quote from The Force Awakens. I just rewatched the sequels. <laughs> mm, nice. Oh, so no wonder you sound so depressed this evening. Um, so <laughs> I wish I hadn't. Nah, I love them. Except for two of them. So, <laughs> so, so you like you one third, thirty percent of, of the it. sequel trilogy. <laughs> well, there's some math. Oh goodness gracious! So I love last, them all except uh, for two thirds of them. So our last episode last week on Christmas Eve, we put out a holiday Christmas special, and we called out to you, the Dork Lords, the fans of Dork Wars, the podcast. We needed some good tip yip recipes. And you guys did not disappoint. Um, probably our favorite one came from at a rural farm boy from Twitter. So that is his username. Shout out to at a rural farm boy. He has really supported us on Twitter, likes a lot of our stuff, shares a lot of our stuff, comments. There's a lot of great things. Um, I'm just going to read a little bit of the uh, of the recipe he sent to me. This is fried Endorian tip yip. So first you start out mm. with two large boneless skinless tip yip breasts because tip yips are kind of like endorian chickens right so i mean here on earth we'd probably have to use chicken um you are they have, good fried for front well that's that's what the the recipe is literally called fried endorian tip yip i, I think I wesley said, might know a guy but, um, who can get some to be honest probably so he probably does he's got all the underground tips but you need two large boneless skinless 
uh, it comes from his wrist. friendship with Mace Windu, which is the other thing I love about this podcast. Meaning <laughs> that Wesley has a deep connection with a still alive Mace Windu. Still uh, alive? Oh, he's definitely still alive. So you need two large, boneless, skinless uh, tipiet breasts, uh, one and a half cups of all-purpose flour, one teaspoon of salt. Uh, it looks like a half teaspoon of black pepper. Yeah, probably crate salt. That'd probably do better. Um, so back to a half teaspoon of black pepper, pinch of cayenne pepper, one egg, two tablespoons of buttermilk, mm. one batch of mashed choker root. Oh, page what 65. What is a choker root? I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know, but it's on page 65, and I don't have the rest it of this It sounds like book. a Dork Wars After Dark kind of thing. Um, you could uh, use mashed potatoes if you don't have the choker root. Uh, oh, so. dude, that sounds good, dude. I'm down Sounds great. One. one cup of cooked mixed vegetables, such as peas, carrots, and corn, and one... Oh, uh, what is this? One batch gurik gravy. That's on that page thirty-one. So I do not have the rest of this book. So prep time for this is about thirty minutes cooking time. Um, it's two servings. Difficulty hard. So we would probably not be able to make that. Any of us on this podcast. Um, we're gonna post this picture on our socials this week. Uh, you underestimate <laughs> my power. Um, so we're going to post the, uh, fried and Dorian tip yep recipe on our socials so you guys can enjoy it. Uh, we, we hope you, we hope you, we hope you make some fried and Dorian tip yep or fried and Dorian chicken as, as it's going to be because we're here on earth and not in a, in a galaxy far, far away. So Joker Wars, a podcast has a merch store and we have definitely pushed this every episode since we've had a merch store. Check out our link tree. Just Google Dork Wars, the podcast link tree, and you'll find our merch store in all the places that you can uh, listen to our podcast. But on our merch store, we have Dork Wars, the hoodie. We have Dork Wars, the t-shirt. We have Dork Wars, the coffee mug. Dork Wars, the phone case. We have Dork Wars, the almost anything you can think of. So go check it out. We would love for you to wear some Dork Wars merch. Dork Wars the Podcast is part of a conglomerate of really great dorky podcasts and Star Wars podcasts. We are part of the Red 5 Network, and we're going to hit you with that promo right now. This podcast is part of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com. So this week... I don't think that uh, I don't think we could get away with not talking about the Book of Boba Fett Chapter 1. So how was your Christmas, Blake? I've got New Year's plans I really want to discuss right now. Well, too bad, guys. You have to shelve it because we're going to talk about Book of Boba Fett Chapter 1. It is my plans. Let's go. Oh, got him. Oh. Dang. Now, I, now I'm just the bad guy. So this week we are going to talk about the Book of Boba Fett Chapter 1. Jabba ruled with fear. I intend to rule with respect. Book of Boba Fett Chapter 1 is called Boba Fett Holds Court. And it also has like this weird subtitle thing that says Stranger in a Strange Land. So, I mean, is this the chapter? Is this the episode? Like, what? what is this? I, I don't think we were, we were briefed on how the episodes were going to be titled or the chapters were going to be titled. I think that like, is the title. So the title is Stranger in a Strange Lands or Boba Fett Holds Court. I think it's 
Well, I think it's Stranger in a Strange Land just because there is an actual, like you said, a title scene that says, Chapter 1, Stranger in a Strange Land. And I think Boba Fett Holds Court is just the description. It's the short description that isn't the drawn-out one. But the only thing about... He never holds court. Yeah, he does. He does. Well, uh, at the very beginning, when the people are bringing back uh, or bringing uh, tributes to him... That yeah. I guess that is the the court and and the Gamorreans. He actually uh, did hold court okay. with the Gamorreans, if you think about it. Yeah, he saved them. But the thing is, though, for that for that to be the title of the episode, if that was the title of the episode, that was a very 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 short part of the episode. In thirty eight minutes, that maybe took up four, if that. A stranger in strange lands matches what he was going through a lot better. Yeah, that's so let's true. go with that. Let's let's talk about how we liked the episode. Nothing too deep. Just kind of an overall, did we like it? Uh, Andrew, did you like the opening episode of The Book of Boba Fett? Uh, Yeah, I thought it was great, man, honestly. Uh, I don't think... It's hard for me to say that whether or not it's as good as The Mandalorian, to be honest with you. I just feel like The Mandalorian was a little bit more epic, and there was something about the way the scenes were shot, like the cinematography... That really reminded me of old school, and this one doesn't really do that, you know? But it does have a great story right. so far. Like, I really like the flashback idea. Like, I think yeah. that's great that most of the episode was a flashback. But they're also updating you now to tie you into what will probably be the next episode. Hey, can I piggyback off that real quick, Blake? Um, yeah, yeah go, go on, man. Piggyback, brother. Yeah, uh, from this episode, I, I enjoyed the, the flashback parts more than the actual present time of the story um and because you know we got glimpses of things in the past and a lot of story a lot of interesting story was told there um and i wasn't really as interested in the story that's being told like him going around and showing face uh to everybody and introducing himself to everybody i I didn't care about that (laughs) too much The story of how he gets out of the Starlight Pit is like way more important, you know, to the the grandeur of his character and what he means and what he's going to do. Well, yeah, exactly. And I think that's I think that's what the whole point of this episode. I think that's the big theme of the episode is they keep focusing on him trying to be this respectful ruler in this unlawful place. It's I don't know if it's going to work out and we're going to figure out whether it will. And that's I think that's what the whole background part of it's for. So hopefully it'll make it interesting is what I'm trying to say. So you're saying basically that it was pretty interesting, but you think that it could get a lot more interesting. Yes, yes. That's a, yeah, that's pretty much what I'm saying. I think that while Wesley might not enjoy and might not really be focused on the current state of events and doesn't really care, I think these flashbacks are going to lead towards why. I mean, we know why he's there, obviously, because. Right, right. But, but you know, we don't know. I don't know. I'm actually really interested to see what he's going to do. And I'm hoping that because, I mean, it just seemed like it seemed to me that the backstory was leading towards him proving himself and surprising people. So is he going to turn out to be this great ruler of Mos Espa? So I've got good news. Um, There's more episodes, so we're probably going to find that out. Let's go to Diedrich. So we've heard from Wesley and Andrew. Diedrich, what did you think about this episode? Did you like it? Did you not like it? Um, How was it for you? I liked it a lot. It kind of rehashed things we already suspected 
that it would just based right. on what we know about the character and his return in the Mandalorian and also what we've gathered from the shots we've seen from this already. So there wasn't too much of a surprise. There were, I would say, several things I really liked and then two or three things that I don't know if we're getting you know, too specific right now, but I might bring up later. So overall, I really liked it. There's a couple moments I really loved what they did. And then I'll bring those up, I guess, in a minute. And then there's two times I really want to be like, all right, <laughs> what's happening here? So overall, overall B minus. Yeah, I can agree with that. So I'll tell you, I really liked the episode. Um, overall, I think it was a great introduction to the series. I think we got some great backstory on Boba Fett, how he leaves the Sarlacc pit, of course. That was something that we all kind of guessed was going to happen. We were going to find out how he escaped. Um, I really enjoyed it. It was a good introductory episode. Did a lot happen? Not really. Nothing Nothing really moved forward in a very exponential way, but it was a good introduction. And I, th- I think a B- is a, is a very fair grade for the opening of Book of Boba Fett. I really enjoyed some parts. And some parts, it's just like, yeah, the story's not moving, but I understand why. You know, it's not like... I'm not mad at the episode. I think the episode was great. They're setting you up. Know? Um, but I do want to go back um, about the flashbacks. We've all talked about the flashbacks a little bit. And it really gave me like a DC Universe Arrow vibe. Do you guys ever watch the Arrow? Yeah. I watched a little bit. Nope. So before the Arrow starts, he spends the, the title character, Oliver Queen, spends three years on an island Supposedly, he actually goes other places. You find out. Spoiler alert for uh, Arrow. <laughs> it's been out forever, so who cares? Um, but there's like three or f- I think it's, it's three or five years before the start of the show that he's been like lost. No one's been able to see him. And from the point the show starts, you have the present day, and then you have flashbacks, and they all kind of interconnect. And this really reminds me of that formula. Are we yeah. going to see this for the rest of the the season? Possibly. And I think it would be a, a good way to go. I did like having the flashbacks and then the present day because at first we start out with him in the back to tank. You know, you, you look through Jabba's palace, you see him in the back to tank and then it's the past. He's in the Sarlacc pit. And I'm like, oh no, this is literally just going to be everything that's happened up until he shoots Bib Fortuna in the face or the, the back of the head, whatever he did. I think it was the back of the head. And we're not going to get any new information. We're just going to find out what's been up this whole time. And I was kind of let down by that. But then we fast forward to present day and he's out showing face. He goes and talks to um, the, the lady at the cantina. Her name was Garza, Garza Fwip. Garza Fwip. So let, let's, let's start getting into a little bit of the specifics now. Um, right off the bat, after the back to tank thing, He's in the Sarlacc pit. We see Boba Fett escape the Sarlacc pit. And this is something that we've all wanted to see in live action. How did he get out? What happened? And I think Disney did a good job on the escape. I was disappointed. That was awesome. What I think is really interesting is that we learned, or at least I learned, it seems like stormtroopers have a little bit of oxygen on their person at all times. Yeah. So I don't know if y'all noticed that, but he seemed to be like gasping for air. And then he grabs the tube. I didn't know that that was like actual thing. Like, I didn't know they had Makes air. Makes sense. So can can they survive the vacuum of space with the air that they have for a little bit of time? Can stormtroopers go out in space? Well, I probably, and I think that's one of those weird things about this that kind of was we. I don't know. 
there would not be oxygen left. Like, if the guy's dead, I guess there would be maybe a little bit. Well, what if, I mean, he probably died before he breathed at all. Yeah, no, you're right, you're right, you're right, yeah. Uh, but I was, I don't know, I was a little disappointed. Like, that was a cool little scene, and all that was great, but, like, how did he actually dig his way out, you know? They don't... Well, he killed the Sarlacc. Well, I think it's implied that what's he only dug he only dug a little bit through sand, and most of what we see underneath the surface mm-hmm. is actually the Sarlacc. It's way bigger than just the tunnel we see. It's like a whole organism that's like half a mile deep. So he took that oxygen, got got to breathing a little bit, and I mean, it. I don't know if he. It kind of seemed to me that he used that oxygen to kind of make his flamethrower more powerful too. I don't. I don't know if you guys got that. Oh, I, I th- yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, th- I, think, I that think that was the play. The play. And he freaking lit up that star- Sarlacc and <laughs> that was awesome. obviously killed it. Yeah, and that was cool. I think that was a great way for him to escape. Yeah, that's true. So what I think, what I think happened is most of the Sarlacc is burned up, so all he's got to do is mm-hmm. dig through maybe a few feet of actual yeah. sand yeah. to get out. You know? Yeah. That's what I think they're kind of going for there. And I think that was a great way for him to escape, and I think it tracks with his character. He's, yep. he's a bad-to-the-bone Man, is he a Mandalorian? Did we ever confirm is, is Boba Fett really a Mandalorian? The Mandalorians don't think so, but don't, who knows? Um, I mean, his chain code states his he is true. a Mandalorian. Remember in in the Mandalorian, he showed what's his name, the Mandalorian, uh, yeah, Din Djarin, Jin Djarin. Din. Yeah, he shows him his chain code and is like, "Oh, this is legit. Like, this is legit Mandalorian armor from a family." So we know canonically, Jango Fett right. is Mandalorian. So Boba Fett. Would be so his clone would Mandalorian. I guess well, his clone I, would I be. think it's still up for debate, and I think that is something that would be cool to see in future episodes of Book of Boba Fett. But anyways, Boba Fett is just like this cool dude, and he lights up the Sarlacc and escapes. I love that scene. But then immediately we see how he loses his armor, dude. The Jawas come and pick him to pieces when he he can't do anything. Like he's so tired and so beat up from the Sarlacc. He can't do anything, and the Jawas just pick his his armor apart and leave him for dead. Uh, I think that that's sad. <laughs> so he's Savage. been without his armor for a while, then. Oh yeah, he, it it seems like he's been without his armor for a little bit, at least five yes. five years, because five years yeah. between the Mandalorian and the end of Empire, or excuse me, not the end of Empire, the end of Return of the Jedi. Yeah, you're right. So the the Jawas steal his armor. And then the Tusken Raiders capture him. Like, he's, he's being dragged by a bantha to the, uh, the Tusken Raider camp. And I can't help but think that in the short time that Boba Fett has been on Tatooine, he has experienced everything Tatooine has to offer except pod racing. Like, literally. He has <laughs> yeah. literally experienced everything. He's, like, he's been eaten by the Sarlacc. He's, like, seen Jabba the Hutt. He's, he's been picked apart by Jawas, and now the Tusken Raiders have him. Like, what else is on Tatooine? We don't know. Uh, uh, Tashi Station. He hasn't been to Tashi Station. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring up that fact in, in a little bit about something that I don't quite like about what Yeah, yeah this episode threw a lot here, but... of the Tatooine flavors at you, right? Well, that's, that's where we're at, right? Tatooine? Yeah. Yeah, that threw a lot yeah. of the Tatooine flavors at you in the first episode. So let me let me say a pro real quick since we're coming mm-hmm. on the the Tuscan Raiders. I freaking loved that each Tuscan Raider had an individual garb, and you could tell, especially on the chieftain and some of the I would assume elders of the tribe, like like they had bones and like you know necklaces 
with what I assume were like predators, maybe, you know, some of the things we saw in the episode. I just thought it was really neat that we right. yeah. see there's right. kind of a hierarchy, right? We get a lot of behind the scenes on the Tuscans. Like they have yep. kids. The kids also wear the little mask, but somehow they can get water. Yeah, through that's those a weird thing. I, it, was, it was really good world. It was really good world building for the Tuscan Raiders. It really was. And I, I like that we see a differentiation between different members of the Tuscan tribes. We don't get that before now. Um, in episode two, all the Tuscan Raiders look the same. In um, A New Hope, all the Tuscan Raiders look the same. I think it's good world building. Yeah. In The Mandalorian, they look the same. Maybe this is like a one-off tribe, then. Maybe this isn't a normal Tuscan Raiders tribe, because I will say that it's been a kind yeah. of an ongoing theme that Tuscan Raiders aren't the toughest badasses. I mean, they're kind of badass. They live out in the middle of a desert and they survive. But besides that, they're not like crazy good fighters who you would see on the battlefield. Uh, but now in this episode, they are. I will say, though, that the, that Tuscan was fighting Boba Fett when he had just like taken out like this lizard creature, which I actually know the lizard creature's name, um, by the way. What's his um, name, Blake? Not the big lizard, not the not the big lizard creature, but the little one that was at the place. The Dianoga? Is that what it's called? No, it's actually called a massive. Um, I was watching, so I was watching the the Boba Fett uh, show, the Book of Boba Fett. I watched it with subtitles. So when I watch stuff, well, when I watch it for the podcast, I I watch it with subtitles so I don't miss anything. And I think I think it's a good way to kind of study up and. When it's uh, talking about that creature, it, it says that like the massive was growling or the massive did this or whatever. So it's called a massive. And we've seen those guys in episode two. Yes. Yeah. I did. mean, they're just, they're Tuscan Raider. They're, Tuscan Raiders ride them. They're, yeah, they're, they're dogs. dogs. But, but they get ridden. No, they're not. They don't ride them. They're not uh, that the big. Kids, the but kids Boba ride Fett, them. That's Banthas. Banthas are the woolly mammoth looking things. Well, no, but yeah. the kids ride them. But Boba. F- I can't remember that. Uh, part. Yeah, you might be right. Maybe. I don't, I don't Didn't that happen in the episode? Am I crazy? You might be. You might not be. I don't remember. I don't remember anybody ever writing them. Yeah. But Boba Fett, at this point, he was hungry. He was thirsty. Like I mean, he had just been beaten to a pulp. He'd been dragged around and stuff. And then he had been um, chased down by this massive, and and been tackled. I, I you know, the Tuscan Raider. It could have been one of the kids and probably taken out Boba Fett at that point. I mean, honestly. So you know what some of the episode reminds me of? It's The Last Samurai with Tom Cruise. Oh. Ooh. Have you ever seen that? If you've never seen that movie, Tom Cruise is in 18, like, 80s Japan when they're trying to kind of come 100 years in the future. they still got samurai, but, you know, the emperor is trying to modernize. So there's this big collide between modern units using rifles and um, artillery against basically samurai using swords in their traditional garb, right? So anyway, in the movie, uh, Tom Cruise is the main character, and he gets taken captive. He's leading one of the more modern armies against a samurai one, and he gets captured and has to like adapt to their culture, and they beat him, and they tie him up, and they do all the things we see happen to um, Boba Fett, and over the course of the movie, he earns their respect and eventually joins their little rebellion. Right. Yeah, that's what we're seeing. Same story beats. Yeah, the whole point of the movie is because it's a it's a law it's a man who lives with honor who's trying to live with honor in a world that's becoming more lawless. And I'll tell you what, that seems like that's the theme of the Book of Boba Fett, like Andrea pointed out earlier. And that's kind of flashing forward to the to the end of the episode. I kinda of wanna back up a second. Um 
and and kind of I guess not all the way back up because this guy's in some some more of the episode. But uh, the the Red Rodian that is also captured by the Tuscan Raiders. Mm-hmm. Um, man, what a little what a little snitch, dude! What a snitch! Yeah, like, dude. That that kind of me up. I'm dude. So I'm gonna call this guy Greedo's brother because he's got to be. Right? <laughs> How many? How many? How many, Rodian, how many Rodians are on Tatooine? Redo, <laughs> I like that. It's probably picture. a lot. So green, Greedo is green. Redo, Orangeo, Bluo. Let's get the whole squad. Okay, so Redo, Redo, uh, Greedo's brother Redo. I like it. So Greedo's uh, brother Redo is such a snitch, man. I was, I was so happy when he got killed. I was. That was my favorite part of the episode. <laughs> It was entertaining. Uh, dude, I think the fact that he said poodoo yes. was the best part for he me. He said poodoo. That was, oh, that was my he... second favorite part of the whole thing. So he said poodoo, and he also said Slimo. I don't know if you call it that. He said Slimo as well. Yeah, he did say Slimo. Which is, that must yeah, be like slang on tattooing for not a nice person. Yeah, yeah because <laughs> that's what Anakin calls Saboba in uh, episode one. That was, I, that was awesome. I did Slimo. like his, his use you of You know buddy. you cussed as a nine-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> right? He's, he felt big and bad using language like that when his mother wasn't around. So, at, at this point, I believe after Boba has been, like, beaten up by the uh, Tuscan chieftain, we have a flash forward um, to, I guess, present Book of Boba Fett day, uh, where he he's in the back to tank, he comes out of the back to tank, and he holds court, like we presume maybe the name of the episode and different different people come in different uh leaders i guess around the community come in and present boba fett with gifts and uh one guy one um one twi'lek who represents the mayor of most es- espa i believe comes in and says that the uh, major domo yeah yeah he's the domo Do- doimo 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 no, no, no. So I think Boba Domo. Fett is the do- daimyo. Is what he yeah, called. Yeah, Boba Fett Boba is the yeah. daimyo. Yeah, yeah. he Boba is the, the ma ma. No, the daimyo is what the robot Domo is. What he is, he's like a representative of the mayor. Okay. His name is Mox. It's what Bib Fortuna was for Jabba. Yeah. Right, right. So he basically comes and represents the mayor and is like, "Hey, man, I ain't got a gift for you." Uh, that's kind of a. Uh, I kind of just uh, made that short. I shortened that. I summarized. You undersold the crap out of that. This is my favorite scene in the entire episode, and I'm really disappointed how so bad you undersold it. All right, well, explain it, Andrew. Explain it. Sell it to us, Andrew. All right, so if we're we're talking about cutting stuff real quick, so the order is the little scene he does in his room, all right, and then the first flashback, and then he goes to court. Not court. I'm talking about court. He goes to the thing, and there's a second flashback. He goes... He gets attacked, and then when they get him in the back to tank, it's the final flashback that ends the... Uh, so it kind of goes back and forth. It's, it's flashback to him getting out of the sand pit, or the, the monster thing, him holding court. No, that's not true. No, it's not. him out of the sand uh, pit. I'm, looking, I'm literally looking at it right here. That's what I just he said. He gets out of the sand pit. He I just went, said he that. Went then he gets the captured, the and then yeah. he gets beat up. He gets into the fight yeah. with the dog, and then yeah. he holds court. Yeah, and just then like after that, he does not hold. He holds court before he nah, he goes in he that d- flashback really with doesn't. the sand people. No, 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 no. Really, the, the campfire scene where he gets knocked out. That's what I'm saying. And then he right, wakes there's, up. There's three different. 
There's actually only two. There's three different scenes. There's only two? There's only two. Uh, so it's court, and then after court, he leaves, he goes to the cantina, and then there's that big fight scene, and then after that, uh, when okay. it's done, is the big, long, final scene where he goes and gets water, and, you know. Yeah, it is only two. I'm sitting here scrolling through. Okay. I thought it was three, too. So that's... I believe the internet. Well, I'm, look- I'm scrolling through the Disney thing on my screen. Let's just talk about him going into Mas Espa then, right? Is that what we're kind of getting to anyway? Or do you want to talk about the court? I'm sorry, Andrew. Court is your favorite scene, so let's talk about court. <laughs> I'm getting ahead of myself. <laughs> no, 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 no. You totally undersold that scene, and honestly, it's one of my favorite scenes, so I'm pretty disappointed in you, Blake. I think what's interesting about that scene is two things. He saves the Gamorians when most people would either torture them or kill them. Which later, like later in the uh, episode, they end up saving him, but we'll get to that. Yep. And then the second thing that I found interesting was the major domo who comes in, and Boba expects tribute, and he's like, yeah, you're supposed to give me tribute. And Boba's like, okay, you can GTFO. Yeah. And he's like, oh, yeah, I'll do that, but you'll probably be hearing from us. Yeah, yeah. the way so, he says so it. So we know there's going to be some kind of conflict later, right? They're setting up for the, probably the next episode. There's definitely some open-ended conflict uh, with the mayor of Mos Espa, and I, I can't wait to see what happens there, because I do like that little exchange. And that yeah. guy reminds me of, of one of the guys that played in a community. Did you guys ever see Community? Oh, you're talking about the, uh, the dean? No, not the dean. He didn't remind me of the dean. It was... um um. What's the guy's name? Who did it remind uh, you of? The main guy. The main guy. Who's the main guy in the community? In community? Jeff. Yeah, Jeff. Jeff. The first guy he meets. What's the first guy? He oh, meets? really? It reminded you of him? Yeah, I think it is him. So I didn't he's look actually. It up. I always thought Jeff was like a Walmart version of Ryan Reynolds. He's a long-term character on the show Veep, and he's also one of the Italian people in Angels and Demons. No, that's like, not. That's not who I'm talking about. Um, it's the. Oh, I could see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I bet. Mm-hmm. Abed. He Abed. he really reminds yeah. me of Abed. Yeah, yeah. He kind of looks he kind of his facial yeah. features kind of reminded me of Abed and the his mannerisms. So Boba Fett uh holds court and uh he gets done with the mayor's kind of uh his his little minion guy. And we get to these two Gamorian guards. They were Gamorian guards for Jabba the Hutt and then they were Gamorian guards for Bib Fortuna. And we see Boba Fett spare their lives. He says if I spare you Will you be loyal to me like you were loyal to Jabba and Bib Fortuna? And they kneel in, mm-hmm. um, in surrender, I guess, to, to his will. And he sets yep. him free and lets him roam around with him, like right off the bat. So uh, it looks like Boba Fett, again, is working off this respect thing. Um, yeah, and initially I agreed with Fennec Shand on that, where she was just like, this is a bad idea, don't do that. But uh, they, I think they showed their worth, and they, you know, they finally had their shiny moment. <laughs> so here's the thing about Gamorreans, is they're not sneaky. They wear their expressions on their face. So like, if they seem like they're going to help you, like, you know, they're not norm- normally, like, ones to backstab. Right. They're not Umbarans. They're not Twi'leks. They're, they're not you know, portrayed they're, as very intelligent. Kind of yeah, yeah. Exactly. It, they're they're pretty much. But your this muscle. really shows that Boba Fett's not going to give in to the ways of the Huts. He's not going to rule the same way Jabba the Hutt did, um, seemingly as Bib Fortuna did. That he's going to do things different because he didn't like Jabba the Hutt. It seems like um, Boba Fett did not care for Jabba the Hutt. He worked for him. It was money, but he didn't like him. That's what it seems like to me. 
And Finnick Shand is constantly coming at him with criticism about just do do it the way that it's always been done. Just let let them take you around um, on their shoulders on this glider thing. What did he call it? A um, a litter. A litter. Yeah. Uh, it's just, just it's just the thing they lift up a ruler. Yeah. Let them let them let just let them parade you around like you're some kind of god over them. And everything will be okay, and just rule by fear, not respect, you know. She just keeps coming at him, and Boba Fett's not having it. He's going to rule the way he wants to rule. He's in charge now, and he's going to do things the way he wants to, because he's just that kind of guy. That's why I was surprised when the governor's, whatever it was, like servant, or whatever, whatever representative he was, like he came in, and it's like, what tribute do you have to the governor? And it's like, wait a minute, did, did, uh, or to the mayor. Oh, yeah, that's the governor. Dang it. Yeah, to the mayor. Yeah. It's okay. Well, yeah. that's why I loved that scene so much, because it just reminded me of, like, an old-timey, like, 1500s Roman Catholic delivery messenger that's come to basically just spit in your face in a really nice, yeah. condescending Southern Baptist kind of way. <laughs> you said Roman Catholic and Southern Baptist in the same sentence. I know, I know, but it's, it's that... It's, uh, Roman Catholic for the time period, Southern Baptist for the attitude. So we f- we flash forward to the uh, the most Espa Cantina. Okay, so this is after Fennec Shan's already talked to Boba Fett about, hey, why don't they put you on a litter and parade you around? He's like, no, nah, I'm not doing it. Well, they come into this cantina called what? What did you say it was called? The Oasis or the Paradise the or something? Sanctuary. The Sanctuary. They come into the Sanctuary. The it seems and- like it's more than just a cantina. Like there seems to be a little more going on. It does, but this is probably my favorite scene <laughs> in the whole thing because who do we see when we come in? We see Max Rebo and the band. Okay, Max <laughs> Rebo. We were talking about Max Rebo last week in our holiday special and how something has happened to the rest of his band over the 30 years. We know they were not destroyed on uh, Jabba the Hutt's barge. That was one of my favorite moments, too. That was one of my things. I was like, all right, yes, that, that seems fitting. Dude, we That's saw Max Rebo. Did you in notice the, band, the music, man? too? Do what? My blue elephant boy on the keys, tickling the ivories. You <laughs> go getting a lot of a lot of screen time lately. Did you ch- did you uh listen to the music? It was like Spanish guitar. It was Latin it was a Latin Spanish classical guitar version of the Cantina song with some twists. Okay. Dude, the big headed yeah. alien guy um was definitely playing some really good guitar or sitar or sitar whatever they call it whatever they have in space right um i I like that scene a lot so i mean we know that max rebo's band was not all killed um on the hut barge that some other things have happened and disney plus we need to see the max rebo show that's all i'm saying and another thing rex make it a singing contest show in star wars universe (laughs) So we're gonna we're pretty much gonna see Galactic Idol is what you're saying. That I mean that'd be cool. That'd be different. That would actually be pretty sick. So Rex from the original Star Tours ride at Disneyland and Disney World also made an appearance. Um, I, don't, I, I I've been to Disney World a couple times and I've ridden uh, Star Tours, which is a a really cool ride. It takes you through all these different scenes in Star Wars, and it's really trippy. If you get motion sickness, you can't ride it because you will puke. Um, fair warning, <laughs> but, uh, he's no longer, I don't think he's, any, he's on that ride anymore or whatever, but he makes an appearance here. He's it. He's the uh, little robot in the middle of the table right after we see Max Rebo. I thought that was a really cool call out to, uh, to Disney world and the star tours ride. That was pretty cool. 
But um, Boba Fett and Fennec Shand are there to see Garza Fwip, who owns the sanctuary. And I, I, I really want to know the significance of this because I, I didn't really get it in, in the scene. Like, why, why are they paying her a visit at her place? Like, why is she so special? Because it's implied that she was paying tribute earlier and she was a part of Bib Fortuna slash Jabba the Hutt's organization. Yeah, so the idea here is that... That's like the mob. And I was looking this up. Basically, they're crime lords. It's, it's, a, it's a network right. of underbosses, and so basically she's in charge of that establishment. Okay. She owns that establishment. She's in charge of it. She probably has to pay him some sort of fee for, you know, protection or whatever. Right. I get that. But why does that not warrant a visit from her to him? You know, it seems like he's the boss still, right? So why would the boss come come visit her in person? You, you know what I'm saying? It seems like she didn't know. It seems like a lot of people don't know. Yeah, that's the thing. I don't think a lot of people know, and the people that do know are really important. And two, it could be, it could be this respect thing. It could be this respect thing that we keep going over. Maybe he's just coming to her out of respect as well. I mean, well, that's that's why he wants to do it personally instead of just sending Finnick. Correct. Yeah, because he does mention that after they leave leave the sanctuary. So they polish up their helmets. Yeah. When they leave, they have tons of coins in their helmets, which is pretty cool. And I will say, it, it, this is the point where I noticed that um, that Boba Fett looked a lot better in his face. I don't know why. Before this, I really didn't. I guess because he had his mask on most of the time. But I mean, the back, like he, uh, he back to tank. Yeah, right. It was it was the back to tank. But he's moisturizing nowadays instead of his ashy self that he was presenting when he was with the Jawas and the Sand People. Yeah. Right. I get it. I just I just didn't know that the back to tank would take care of all that scarring and all of that like deformity. Because I mean, he looked deformed. I mean, did he not? I mean, he looked deformed yeah. to me. You, you'd and, think Darth Vader would have used it if that's the case. Yeah, like why? Why well, could Darth can't Vader's... regrow limbs? He does use it. True, but it I helps mean, keep him alive. It does, but he doesn't like he doesn't look as fresh as Boba Fett does when he comes out yeah. of it, or even close. Like he still has all Boba of his Fett old. Doesn't scar. draw on the dark side on a daily basis. That's true too. Oh. I'm, Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe. Just, just like in Knights of the Old Republic, where you kind of turn gray and shrivelly. I get it. That's true. But Boba Fett, I mean, he looks like a hundred percent better than he did before. And I, I think, I don't think we've ever seen that kind of a, a turnaround in someone in Star Wars where they look like total poodoo before they got in the back to tank, and then they come out of the back to tank, and now they look <laughs> almost as fresh as they did back when they were like thirty-five. You know. So this is the part where Boba Fett and Fennec Shand leave with their two Gamorrean guards. They they leave the sanctuary and they're walking. And Boba Fett utters um, one of these lines. This is probably my favorite line the whole episode. Fennec comes at him with some more criticism, like, why don't you just stick to the status quo? And he says, Jabba ruled with fear. He said, I intend to rule with respect. I think this this, like we have been saying, this is kind of the motif of this episode. And he sums it up right here. I, I like the quote. I, I like where it's. I like where it's going, and I, I think it's gonna. I think this is gonna be the main, the main lesson of the series. If there is a lesson to be had, is to rule with respect and not fear. I don't think we're gonna know. Yeah, um, it might be left gray. Who knows? Well, no, it's no. I'm saying that I don't think we know right now. I think it's that's why I'm very interested in the present. Right. Because I want to know if 
ruling out of respect in a crime organization was is actually going to work. Because if it did, you'd think it would have happened before. Possibly. But this is when Boba Fett is attacked by like six dudes with shields, or is it five dudes with shields? I don't, I don't remember. There, there's some dudes, they have shields and little uh, electric uh, pokey sticks. They fight Boba Fett, Finnick Shan, and the Gamorreans. They, um, they do a really good job fighting them. <laughs> they take out most of them, and Finnick ends up capturing one of those guys. And it's back to the back. Okay, to hold pod. on, hold on, hold on. Oh wait, wait, we got, we got, we got to reverse a little bit. Sorry, I got, I got a thing, I got a thing here. So this is my first, well, not the first, one of the bigger issues I have with the episode. Yeah. He and Finnick are trapped in a wall of shields. They're surrounding them in a circle. All right, there's probably mm-hmm. six of them. I, I imagine it's five or six. And they got electro staffs and these like energy shields that seem to they they got like a shield wall up around them. They're trapped. They can't go anywhere. Boba Fett has a jetpack, <laughs> and. <laughs> They're just like stuck in this thing. They keep getting hit. Finnick doesn't. Are you sure about that? I'm pretty sure he has a jetpack. Finnick? Shan? No, not Finnick. Boba. Yeah, but so what about if, Finnick? Sure, but Boba could at least get in the air and start shooting from the air to get them off of yeah, them. That's I, true, it that's seems true. like it seems like why would you stay encircled? You know, she might get hit a couple times, but he could save them on his own. Okay, but Boba yeah. Fett's like, I don't even need my jetpack. I'm just going to fight these guys as is and show everybody how bad I am. Until the Gamorreans came in and saved them. Yeah, That's, it definitely felt is, like yeah, they that, were getting their asses that melee encounter was forced. Um, and I don't know about y'all, but I kind of got like Power Rangers vibes from that. Did anyone else? <laughs> right? Yes. yes. So, yeah. That's okay. <laughs> that was, dude, I have a lot of kicks yet. and punches for no real yeah. reason. <laughs> Yeah, and we haven't gotten there yet, but later on in the episode, when we get to the second big fight of the show, uh, I felt those same exact vibes there as well. Dude, we actually... We'll get get there. I agree, Andrew. We actually had a guy on Facebook uh, I put out today, Book of Boba Fett, who's seen it. What did you like? What did you dislike? This, that, and other. One one of the guys, uh, one of the people who uh, commented did tell us that uh, they felt Power Ranger vibes from from the Book of Boba Fett. And I said, I get it. I said, I said, uh, yeah. So Jabba's palace kind of does look like the command center for Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, and that that big fight scene, like you said, there's a lot of like weird Japanese action kind of hits, but not really hits. Why did you do this kind of fighting that that went on? I I like the scene, but it is weird. <laughs> it is weird. And then you had like the um, Boba's two newly recruited. Gamorrean guards coming in, slashing. Yeah, his Gamorrean guards come in and save the day, dude. Like they really get him out of a pinch. So I mean, it was a good. It, 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 it seems like they would have lost had the Gamorreans not come in. You know. Yeah. It... But he has a jetpack. He has a way of escaping. Okay, but was anyway, it a that's test? My, that's my big gripe. Was he testing the Gamorreans, man? Like they're newly recruited. He doesn't know if he can trust them. Maybe that he was like, "Well, let's throw this fight. Let's see if the Gamorreans come in and help." And sure enough, they do. Yeah, but he seemed pretty beat up. I don't think he yeah. was in control of that situation. Yeah, he wasn't. He wasn't. He he has to fire a missile at one of them and just explode him into nothingness. And the Gamorreans help him back to the Bactopod. So he has to go back to his Bactopod. That's how badly he is injured. So Fennec is now chasing the ones that are getting away. Yeah, correct. She She chases the ones that are getting away. There's this whole chasing like they think they get the better of her she pops up in front of them on a building she has one by the throat um does she what have one of their electric staffs things yeah she stole one of their staffs she's got the staff pointed at him 
Yep, and then she ends up throwing that guy off of the building, kills him, and captures the other. And end scene, that is where we leave the present day. Question. I got a question, too. Yeah. You go okay. first. What's in it for Fennec Shand? Like, it, sounds, it seems like she's in better shape and wits to lead this whole regime than Boba Fett. She owes him his life, her life, excuse me. That's from The Mandalorian. Yeah. Okay. He he yeah, saved her right. life. She, she was almost dead on the okay. on the yeah, out so, on the dunes somewhere. So she just yeah, we paying her debts to him. Yeah, she has like a life debt to him, kind of like Chewie and Han. Or 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 Jar 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 and Qui Gon. <laughs> Jar Jar and Qui Gon. The classic combo, Jar Jar and Qui Gon. It, it, it seems like th- there could be like a falling out later between the two. So um, you you may hold up, hold up, Wes. You said uh, you said a good point. You think they're gonna have a falling out later on in the show? She is ruthless. And and maybe she has her own idea of how things should be done. She's very headstrong. She kicks one of the survivors off the roof. She doesn't need two. She only needs one guy to bring back and interrogate. That's true. So my question is, why did the second guy stay around? She has the electrostaff on one of them, but the other guy just kind of stops moving. He just stands on the roof and is like, oh no, he's got my friend or she's got my friend. I'm just going to hang out here for no reason. I think that's he just more... He definitely ran off. I think that's just some more Mighty Morphin Power Rangers stuff, um, honestly. Right. <laughs> exactly. Kind of like the, the, the villain blanks and is an idiot, you know? Yeah, bad guys are stupid, dude, don't you know? It's true. That's until why they bad. work for the good guys, because you never want to root for the Gamorreans, just like the Empire, until the Empire is either working with the Mandalorian to save them from other bad guys, or the Gamorreans are saving Boba Fett from the other bad That's guys. That's true. Like, I've Agreed. always seen the Gamorreans as stupid little pig guys, and today, I was like, the Gamorreans are not that bad. They're, they're just, they're nice bacon. They're nice bacon. They're people, too. Bacon is people, too. Bacon is people, too. Um... But uh, yeah, they're they're just stupid because of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers reasons. But uh, Boba Fett is chauffeured by the Gamorrean guards back to his back to tank, and that is the end of the present in this episode. That is the end of anything we see in present day, and we get the flashback now of uh, Redo, Greedo's brother, and Boba Fett digging for water. They witness this. Uh, this robbery of this home. I don't know what that means at this point. If you guys do, enlighten me. Okay, so the swoop gang that has invaded this home and, and killed this one person, we see them drag out you know, his corpse. Um, we see this group in promos. It's probably going to be one of the factions that he brings to the table in one of the other shots. So remember, there's there's a couple of like promos where he's got the whole like all the captains around a table, which is probably going to be the next episode or maybe the one after. Right. But I assume that the swoop gang is one of two things. One is to represent the lawlessness because, you know, a normal person is now just a moisture farmer is now just getting beat up for no reason. So it's to represent the fact that he feels like he's got to take on this responsibility of like, I don't know, bringing order to the galaxy or at least to his little slice of slice of it. Or two, it's going to be an introduction of one of the factions he's got to bring under his wing. Or both. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. It's a, it's a good little, it's a good little uh, piece of information that's embedded in a flashback that will be brought up again. And, of course, it's going to be brought up again. Um, but at this point, it, it's just we see the Swoop Gang come in, be it the Moisture Farmer, 
presumably rob him and, and take off. So we witnessed this and the, uh, there's a Tuscan child that is bringing Boba Fett and Reddo, Greedo's brother, Cannon. out to, uh, to dig for water. And, and there's, yeah. a, there's a Mastiff there as well. I wanted to ask about this. Is this a, like a normal thing? Is this something that's been introduced before? or I've never seen this. Like, How do these little balls of... Yeah, that was weird. Like, So is it implying that the sand people will like select areas to bury water for later use, and then they'll go back and dig it up in these little balls? I think the implication is that it was natural, and that's why, like, that's what I got. Yeah, and that's weird though, because like, how is the water being? It seemed like it was little metal balls, right? Well, I think they they look more like little gourds to me, like little gourds full of water. Yeah. So were they organic or were they metallic? That's the question. See, that's the thing. So here's another thing. I think they're organic, and I think that those monsters, what we're gonna get to, the monsters or whatever. I think they might bury themselves near, and that's why the Tuscan Raiders have slaves do it. Ooh, I don't know. That little the little Tuscan boy seems really surprised by this. It, it, that is true. Think, yeah, that but is very true. But he's a little Tuscan boy. True. This could have yeah. been his first time taking out prisoners. You don't know. Like, and, and my and thing it's also is, weird also, why they would have. Why, a why would they have the kid come out? Yeah, if they why knew would that could happen? I why also is the kid think taking that this Tuscan kid is related to the chieftain? I think it's either his son or his grandson or or a daughter, you know, granddaughter or something like that. Yeah, we don't know. I think this gender, little right? Tuscan child is related to the chief. Yeah. That's going to be my I prediction. Agree. Okay. I like that. Okay. Well, it's got to be something because this is how Boba Fett earns the respect of, of the whole tribe there. Um, they, they're digging for water and little Reddo dude, he finds like three or four of them and he's, he's really good at finding the water. Boba Fett kind of sucks at it. Um, the one he finds, he asks the little, the little Tuscan child, he's like, Hey man, can I have a drink? And he's like, nope. And he feeds it to the Mastiff right there. And that was kind of like disrespect. I hate you. Well, he definitely doesn't ask. He just opens it and drinks. Yeah, and then the little boy that's, or the little, oh, that's right. Me, the little Tuscan child. I don't know what the gender is. Yeah, he that's tries, why he it tries it to hit Boba and Boba's right. like, no, you're a little kid. I'm just going to grab the staff. Okay. Yeah, you're right. And then he hands yeah. it over. Yeah, that was an interesting exchange right there because it showed to me it showed that Boba Fett could have done something in that situation if he really well, wanted to. You know what I mean? No, he was still chained up and he still had the mastiff. He had his hands free though, or at least one hand free. He's he's taken out that mastiff before. Remember? Yeah, he, he tries escaped. to get away early on and chokes out the mastiff and runs away. And if the other little Redo hadn't screamed for help, like a little snitch. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think on, that's right why up. I think that's why at the end that ending scene happens is because the guy realizes that he could have probably just escaped or killed his presumably what you guys think could be son or whatever relation. Um, but instead he saved his life and helped him. You know what I mean? So yeah. this is that's, that's true. So let's talk about what happened. So this is like my one of my favorite scenes of the the episode <laughs> where Redo, Greedo's brother is digging for water and comes upon the leg of this creature and the creature just explodes out of the sand and starts fighting uh, Boba and, and Reddo there. He gets Reddo up and he's knocking him around and he hits Boba a few times. And this is where Reddo, Greedo's brother, gets his comeuppance. Okay, he's a snitch. He's kind of a jerk. Him and Boba have already had the exchange where he's like, Man, we could I could have got you out. We could have been free, but you had to be a snitch. 
and then Redo, Greedo's brother, Poodoo. Uh, is t- yeah, he's like, you're Poodoo, Slimo, blah, 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 blah. He's just talking hoodies crap to, uh, to Boba Fett. And this is when he digs up the sand monster. The sand monster comes out, starts beating him around. And then he just plummets Greedo, or not Greedo, Redo, Greedo's brother, into the ground, chest first, and just presumably kills him, crushes his entire organ system. I loved it. <laughs> I'm going to disagree entirely and say it was the worst part of the whole episode for me. Okay, and but here's why. But Redo got his comeuppance, man. That was cool. You want to see a snitch get his, you know? Yeah. That's my but favorite. That monster part of it. looked like I just I just finished The Witcher season two, and that monster did not look Star Wars to me. It looked like something out of The Witcher or Clash of the Titans. Yeah. Do you remember that old it's an yeah. old seventies movie that's yeah. about Greek mythology? That Guarantee looked like that's the Kraken. What it's based on. That monster looked like the Kraken from that movie, and it took me out of Star Wars entirely. And here's my second issue aside from the aesthetic looks of the model. We already know there's crate dragons. They they eat the banthas typically. That's right, and, and that's what I thought that mastiffs. was. At first, why there are too many predators on this planet that does not support enough life? It is not. It just doesn't seem right that there's a yet another yeah. large predator on the planet. What does it eat? What is you know like? Well, there's not that much life. What if it eats Tuscans? I, I agree. What if it eats Tuscans? What if it eats moisture farmers? There's not that many Tuscans. Well, that's the first and only sand monster we've ever seen, though. What if there's only like three of them on the whole planet? I mean, sure, maybe, maybe, but I'm just saying we're seeing, we're constantly seeing more and more, more and more predators on a planet that doesn't support life for them to eat, and that's just, I guess, a science problem I have with it. Even though it's Star Wars, and I try to ignore science for the most part. Yeah, that's more of a Star Trek thing, but uh, I agree with you. I really do. At, At the heart of it, yes, we have the Sarlacc. We have the um the crate dragon like you said I mean we have all these creatures that kill other creatures but you know there's only so many other creatures there's dewbacks and there's banthas that's like well Jawas as far as things to eat there's Jawas well sure sure Jawas and sand people there's a lot of Jawas on Tatooine I will say that there's a lot of Jawas what if it was just like three (laughs) three groups of Jawas that go really far (laughs) on one like sand (laughs) crawler That'd be funny. What if uh, the sand crawler gets like a million miles to the gallon? Yeah, dude. Oh, dude, that'd be sick. That sucker, man. That's... There's solar panels on the top. We just so, don't yeah, see. I was about to say it's solar powered. Yeah, man, we got seven hundred thousand miles on this bad boy. Let's see how long we can get it to last. I mean, how how many sand crawler dealers can there be on Tatooine? Right? How many could there be? Because every time we see Jawas, they're in a sand crawler. So and gotta, you know, they all seem to be many. the same model. I mean, there there's not any different models. There's not like a 2021 sand crawler, you know. Maybe they got the sedan. Don't fix know? it. If anyway, so I'm gonna stop griping on it. But that was it. Just it did not work for me. I hated it. I I never want to see a thing like it again. Yeah, that that yeah. monster was really not Star Warsy. And a lot of times when we see a Star Star Wars monster, he's really big, he's really grotesque, and it's really just it it's very forceful and kills a lot of things very quickly. This seemed like a cold calculating monster. Like something you would see, like you said, in Clash of the Titans. Excuse me. Or something like that. I I I didn't like the monster too much, but I did like the fact that Redo, Greedo's brother, got his comeuppance. But moving on, this is where Boba Fett um, proves his worth. He he chains up the monster's hands. 
Um, he, he fights him, he gets knocked back, and then the monster uh, messes up the Mastiff, just knocks him away, and goes after the little Tuscan kid. And when the monster goes after the Tuscan kid, Boba Fett comes up and strangles the monster using his chains, kills him, and... And this is my gripe. Okay, so he, he kills the monster and Andrew's gripe. Oh, I'm so sorry. No, it's okay. No, 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 no. This is what the podcast is for. Now hear this gripe. Now, now hear, hear this, this gripe. Now hear this gripe. So, no, this... Uh, in the scene, the monster obviously runs really far away. And now we know Rita, Redo is buried in the sand, attached to the chain. The chain is still attached to Boba Fett. And yet somehow, Boba Fett turns this chain yeah. into like a hundred foot long chain I thought about that and too. strangles them with it. Like how much it's slack a, is in this chain? It's a long chain. Well, I don't, is it, is it possible that the big dumb sand monster um, pushes uh, Redo, Greedo's brother, into the ground, destroys him, and breaks the chain maybe? I mean, it is possible. It's possible. But I, I see There's what you're- a lot going on in that scene. I see what I you're saying. enough. But you wouldn't think the sand would be hard enough for him to break the chain against because you have to have something with a lot of force. Like it had to be like a rock or something to break that chain. I don't know if the sand could really do that, but it's, you know, try not to think too hard about it. It's a TV show. <laughs> I mean, um, I well, hate to say it that way. This is Star Wars. That's what we're doing like, this whole episode. I got to say. Yeah. Thinking a little too hard, a little about, too hard about, a, about a dumb TV show. But people love it. But I love people it. love us. People love us. I hope. I hope if you're listening, I hope you love us. But um, I love you. My head cannon is I love me too. I love all you guys. It's it's our one year anniversary. Is there a lot of love going on? I here love you guys today, except for Grant. Yeah, Grant's not here. Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. I love Grant too. Yeah, we love him too. And Grant, be absent. Anyway, I know that. So my head cannon is the big dumb Star Wars sand monster comes in and crushes uh, Redo and maybe breaks the chain. I guess that's the only logical thing we can come up with. But I get your gripe. I, I don't. I don't see it either. I don't see how it's physically possible. He's got like a thousand foot chain, chokes the monster, but he does. He does, whoop his ass, he does kill the monster, saves the Tuscan boy, and this is when we get this scene of the Tuscan child. The Mastiff and Boba walking back to the tribe. The uh, the chieftain recognizes that. Uh, I, I can't I can't tell is Boba still in his chains when he's coming up. I don't think he is. No, I think he's he's unchained. He's and been he's released. Holding, he's holding the little boys or little Tuscan staff. That's right. So yeah. So Boba has been released from his chains. This is when the chieftain realizes that uh, that Boba saved uh, his son, grandson, whatever it is to him. The, the the kid in the tribe, and there's some respect. The chieftain respects Boba Fett. Boba Fett respects the chieftain. The chieftain gives Boba Fett some water. He drinks it, and that's the end of the episode. And that's what I'm talking about earlier when I'm saying that. I think that supports your arguments that maybe that child is related to that Tuscan leader. I think they've come across this thing before and they know it's quite hard to kill. Right. I would ass- I would assume they knew what it was. They recognized yeah, the yeah, head the, for the sure. The boy was presenting the head of it to the whole clan and they were everybody was impressed like, "Oh my gosh, you accomplished this." 
Yeah, I wonder yeah. if I wonder if the little Tuscan is taking credit for that's the kill. What my, that's what, I, <laughs> that's yeah, my I first, think, yeah. my first may, thought. Maybe, but then why would they respect Boba Fett so much if the Tuscan kid is is taking yeah. credit for the kill? They aren't. The leader, who is obviously very intelligent. The leader, I think the leader, regardless, yeah. Yeah, the leader knows. The, yeah. the, the chieftain seems to know regardless of what the other people think. Yeah. The, the leader rolled like an 18, 19, and everyone else rolled a 10. So <laughs> on, on his uh, perception. Yeah. Or insight. Ooh, D&D, I'm lost. Anyway, um, yeah, that's great. I, I think that uh, the, the end of the episode sums up the whole theme of the episode, which is rule with respect. So Book of Boba Fett had a great opening episode. I really enjoyed it. Seems like we all really enjoyed it. Uh, of course, we every every time we have something to critique, there are flaws. That's just how it goes. But it seems that we all really enjoyed the opening for the Book of Boba Fett. So let's go on and give it over to Master Yoda for our word of the week. There is more knowledge here than anywhere else in the galaxy. Respect. Word of the week is. <laughs> so, Master Yoda, we talked about respect a lot in this uh, in this episode. What does respect mean to you? Hmm, respect, younglings, having them watch my speeder. <laughs> um, that that kind of seems mean, actually. Yoda, you're you're kind of you're kind of mean, dude. Like, why why would you even do that? Hmm. Master, I am. Do what I must. So, Master Yoda, it's, it's our one-year anniversary. Um, what is your favorite memory from the show? Hmm. The interview. When premiered, I was on the show. <laughs> yeah, that, that was a good time. Uh, we asked you some very strange questions. Um, we, we even asked you about Grogu being your child, possibly. No. My lawyer <laughs> says I cannot say. And I'm not asking you about that now, Master Yoda. We can just table that for another time. Um, but we, we really thank you for joining the show. Um, uh, you, Which you episode have... was that? Was that the was that the uh, May the Fourth episode? Yes, that was uh, that was the first time we ever talked to Master Yoda. We interviewed him, and yeah, and then he episode. did. Yeah, that was a very good episode. Yes, the best episode I think you had. Uh, now, Master Yoda, let's <laughs> let's not get out of hand. Let's not get out of hand here. Um, we we featured Master Yoda heavily that episode, um, as you should. But um, I, I think I think he, I think Master Yoda is a great addition. I think people like him, um, even if we don't. Um, even if we just begrudgingly have him here because he's good for ratings. So that is Dork Wars the podcast. We thank you guys for listening for the whole year. Even if you haven't listened to us the whole year, just uh, make it a year next time or two or however long we put out episodes. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Go look up our link tree. Just Google Dork Wars a Podcast link tree. You can find everywhere that our podcast is, our merch store. We, we would love to have you listen to us full time. We'd like to have you wear our merchandise. Thank you. And may the force be with you. Thank you for supporting Dork Wars, the podcast. 
You can check us out on facebook.com forward slash Dork Wars The Podcast. And if you would like to join in on the discussion or maybe suggest topics for us to discuss, please do so by joining our Discord community or sending us an email at dorkwarspodcast at gmail.com. This has been a Red Five Standing By production.